Welcome to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Penguins power play coming into tonight 0 for 9 over their last three games. They went 0 for 1 against the Islanders last night. Devils, meanwhile, bit of a struggle lately on the penalty kill. They've allowed a power play going three straight. Here's Malkin over the line, right side to Raquel, back in front. Malkin shoots and scores! A give and go to perfection! And a PPG for PGH as the Penguins strike first. 1-0, courtesy of Gino Machina. Rolls to the near side corner. Chased after there by Latang, stolen away. A centering pass put on goal by Lee and a left pad saved by Jari as that changed direction. Penguins rumble the other way. It's Gensel over the line. In the slot, Raquel. Right wing feed, Crosby. Back in front, Gensel shoots and scores! Tick, tack, toe. And that top line continues to sizzle as Jake Gensel finds the back of the net. And it's 1-0 Pens. Here's Jason Zucker in on the attack right wing into the near circle for Malkin. Knocked off the puck behind the net by Dreisettle. Turns it over though to Rust. In front, Latang on the forehand shoots. He scores! There's the start the Penguins were looking for. An offense from the D as Chris Latang beats Skinner. And a minute five in, it's 1-0 Pens. And it's another loss here for the Penguins tonight. Their fourth defeat in a row. And their worst of the season as they fall 7-2 to the Edmonton Oilers here at PPG Paints Arena. It doesn't impact me at all. I understand the fans' frustration. We have high expectations as well, and we haven't met them. So I totally get it. GM Ron Hextall, give him some credit. The day after fans were chanting, fire Hextall, he faced the music and answered some tough questions. Now it's up to his team to make some beautiful music and find a way to start delivering the results they claim they're good enough to deliver. Oh, it's frustrating right now. It's, we're, we're not playing the way we're supposed to play. Um, we get discouraged pretty quick. And, you know, it's something we we should have in, in this dressing room. And, you know, it starts with, with the main guy, you know, like me, Sid, and, uh, and Gino. We have to step up our game and, and you know, find a way to win. It doesn't matter if it's we have to, to grind it out and we have to, to push each other to, to be better. We're just trying to win games. Nobody's trying to send any messages or, you know, I mean, you can you can turn it into whatever you want to. It's, you know, it's a matter of playing better. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and talk about messages. Nobody's trying to send a message. We're trying to win games. Good morning and welcome to Penguins Live Weekly. This is Paul Steigerwald with Brian Metzer, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson at the controls, and good morning, Mets. Uh, winning seems so easy for the Penguins for so long, and now just winning one important game seems like an insurmountable challenge. The sad thing is it seems like losing is the easy part now. Like, they're finding ways to do that, you know, Stag, and good morning to you. They kind of got to just turn it around because even in games where they're playing well, it falls away from them, and sometimes that's just a situation that snowballs against you. In each of the three losses this week, as you just heard in our open, the Penguins scored first. They had previously allowed the first goal in something like nine of ten or nine or ten of sixteen, something like that. Uh, now, whether they're chasing games or blowing leads, in the end, they are, as Sully said, finding ways to lose. And Jari was supposed to be the cure, but I think that really he's kind of just added to the illness here in his first couple of games. Well, you, you you know, it's easy to expect him to come in and be who he was before he went out of the lineup, but there's going to be a little bit of rust. There's a little bit of timing issues. They opted not to do any kind of conditioning stint for him, 
and he kind of had to just get right right back up to speed in practice. And then he started pretty well in his first game back, Stag, and then it just fell away in the third period, and then I don't think he was at his best against the Edmonton Oilers. So it might take a little bit of time, and I still think that his health and his ability to bounce back to being a world-class goaltender is probably as big a piece as anything else to success down the stretch here as anything they do at the trade deadline. No question about it. And Kasperi Kapanen is the poster boy, or was, I guess you could say, yeah, uh, a chronic underachiever now on waivers, kind of the poster boy for the fact that the Penguins haven't been able to do what we thought they would be able to accomplish. Well, I think what what's tough for teams is you build your lineup and it's always with the idea that this is who the team can be when it's fully healthy. And when you're not fully healthy, you need flexibility to plug your holes. And the Penguins did not have that with only $18,000 of cap space. So when you combine that with the fact that he was a poster boy for underachieving this year, it kind of put a target on his back as one of the only things they could do right now because they've got to open that money stag because you've got a pretty good defenseman waiting to get back into the lineup, and they didn't have a means to do that. And Kasperi Kapanen, sadly for him, is the guy who who now is shuffling out of the lineup. That doesn't mean his days with the Penguins are over by any means because he could clear and go and kind of maybe go to Wilkes or do something like that. But right now it sounds like the writing is on the wall for Kasperi Kapanen, and it's unfortunate for a young player that has some talent. All fingers, as a result, are pointed at Ron Hextall, and he's clearly not willing to make this all about this year. I got the impression yesterday he still is looking over the hill a little bit here sure, and not going to panic or do something just to appease you and me and the fans and everybody else. Well, I look at it this way. You can still make a splash, but your splash has to be something that has long-term implications like as well. Like Raquel last year, Yeah, right? and, and even that was, at the time, a rental when we look back at it. Mm-hmm. But he must have had a feeling he could have re-signed that player, which he ended up going on to do. And now, that's why some of these players that are on the trade market that have some term available or have a want to sign a deal with their new team— could be attractive to Ron Hextall and the Pittsburgh Penguins, so we'll see how he goes. But I did get that impression too, Stag. He doesn't want to um, give up a ton of futures for a guy that might be here for 20 games and then move on. There's trouble in this River City, and there's trouble in another River City. St. Louis, Missouri, where the Penguins play today. A win today in St. Louis for the Penguins is rather important, but the Blues are going through a reset, and they've got a little something to get them motivated today too. Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> Their coach kind of came out and made some comments, which we'll get, we can get into a little bit. Some of their younger players are responding to those comments. And, you know, it's a team that's in flux. They lost Ryan O'Reilly. Vladimir Tarasenko's out of there. That's two big faces of their Stanley Cup win. And, and Tarasenko's been there his entire career up until this point. So uh, it's a new-look Blues for sure. And it's going to be intriguing to watch how they deal with the adversity and deal with the changing of the guard. Yep. And we will revisit all three games this week for the Penguins in the context of how each loss unfolded. Won't torture you too much with very many highlights, but we'll give you the, I guess, the important stuff. You want to play all seven goals from the other (laughs) nights? (laughs) We will play Ron Hextall's press conference yesterday in its entirety. Take a look at the trades made so far and how they do affect the balance of power in the Eastern Conference. And we'll look ahead to that game. 
today in St. Louis. It's the final hour of Spirited Saturday Morning Hockey Talk before the NHL trade deadline on the Penguins Radio Network presented by ST Bank. Jim Shorky gives Pittsburgh's best hockey fans a Kia hat trick. Price, value, and warranty. Kia inventory is back in stock, including 2022 Kia Forte, Soul, K5, Sorento, Sportage, Carnival, Telluride, and more. Or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsors of the Pittsburgh Penguin. Experience the best of Kia at ShorkyKia.com. Let's go, Pens! Some chefs have a secret ingredient. Well, we found the perfect secret ingredient. 7-Up. That's right, 7-Up has just the right balance of bubbles and flavor. That's why you can do a lot with it. Like 7-Up pancakes, cupcakes, guacamole, carnitas, and oh yeah, don't forget the cocktails. You can make 7-Up whiskey, sangria, margaritas, and much more. Go to 7-Up.com to find more recipes. Visit your nearest local retailer and pick up a 7-Up 20-ounce bottle. 7-Up is the the official soda sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Do more with 7-Up. Please drink responsible. 7-Up is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up Incorporated. Life-changing is a nursing career where you have the power to take the lead and opportunities to make real change. Where you work alongside colleagues that care and see inspiration every day. Where you're celebrated for who you are and have the support you need for what matters most to you. Life-changing is being a nurse at UPMC. Explore your career options today at upmc.com slash nursing. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins.
You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. And it is Penguins Live Weekly. We're here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. to take a look back at the week that was for the Penguins. And after letting two two-goal leads slip away in a 5-4 loss to the Islanders last Friday night, the Penguins had a short turnaround for a 5-30 start last Saturday against the Devils. Dustin Tokarski started in goal for Pittsburgh. Geno scored first on an early power play, but a power play goal by Dougie Hamilton and a shorty by Nico Heischer sent the Devils on their way to a 5-2 win. Malkin keeps it alive at the right point. Down low for Raquel. Six skaters on for Pittsburgh. 2.15 to go. They need two to tie. Latang lost it. Mercer clears to center all by himself. Nico Heischer is going to cap off a four-point night with the empty net goal, and it's 5-2 New Jersey. Yep, he had a four-point night, and uh, that meant that the Penguins uh, could kind of just flush that game down the toilet and immediately turn their focus to a rematch with the Islanders on Monday at PPG Paints Arena, and things were really looking up because Tristan Jari returned after missing nine games, and for the fourth straight game, the Penguins did score the first goal. Rolls to the near side corner. Chased after there by Latang, stolen away, a centering pass, put on goal by Lee, and a left pad saved by Jari as that changed direction. Penguins rumble the other way, it's Gensel over the line, in the slot, Raquel, right wing feed, Crosby, back in front, Gensel shoots and scores! Tick, tack, toe, and that top line continues to sizzle as Jake Gensel finds the back of the net, and it's 1-0 Pens. Brock Nelson has really become a Penguins killer. The numbers are incredible. Mets had them earlier in the week. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was kidding when he sent me that uh, text about how many goals he scored against the Pittsburgh Penguins over his career. He tied it at 5-19 of the second, but then Jason Zucker restored the lead with a tip-in on the power play. Digging forward is Kasperi Kapanen, also in the vicinity is Jason Zucker. All three down there in the near corner. Kapanen has it. Comes up the wall into the high slot. Petrie, he'll wind and blast. Hit the post, stayed out, bounces in, they score! Jason Zucker in the dirty area, digs it free and puts it home. A PPG for PGH, and the Penguins go back in front 2-1. Penguins took a 2-1 lead into the third, but while Ilya Sorokin was standing on his head at one end to keep the Islanders close, Tristan Jari allowed a leaky goal by Bo Horvat to tie it. Ruedel picks it up behind the net, up the right wing for Malkin, across left side for Joseph, banks it off the glass, gloved down by Fashing, gets it right side for Horvat, his wrist shot from a sharp angle, flutters in. And Bo Horvat has tied the game from the bottom of the right wing circle, it's snuck through Jari, 2-2. Just under a minute and a half later, a Jari giveaway led to the Islanders' first lead of the night. Past the midway point of this third period, a 2-2 game. Ryan Pulak out of his own end for Matt Martin deflects it down into the Penguins' end. Jari turns it over. Horvat centers in the slot. Martin looking back door. A chance there. They put it in and score. Anders Lee at the far post stuffs it home, and the Islanders have taken their first lead of the night with 9.45 to go. It's 3-2 New York. And this next highlight is not on account of the Hindenburg disaster. This is Chris King calling uh, the empty netter that sealed the deal for the New York Islanders on Islanders Radio. Latang again, right point, bottom of the right circle, Rust into the paint, good stick by Sorokin, Malkin shoots, that's blocked, empty net, Nelson shoots for it, bullseye! Oh, Nelly Brock has his second of the game, and his empty net goal gives the Islanders a 4-2 lead with under 25 seconds 
to play! <laughs> what will he have left uh, for the Stanley Cup if they ever win, Mets? <laughs> Kinger. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, not much. <laughs> I think he, he left it all on the table there, Stag, the other night. And, uh, your Brock Nelson number, quickly, 33 points, 18 goals in 38 games. So. Wow, that's pretty pretty good stuff. He's a good hockey player, Brock Nelson. I don't really like him. And he, he looks stoic at all times. And I was saying he looks like a Dick Tracy character, just the way he is, like a 20s detective or something. You're right. <laughs> That's really true. The Islanders, uh, two come-from-behind wins in three days, launched them into a playoff spot at the Penguins' expense, and it was a ninth straight game without a win against a division opponent for the Penguins. Jari was solid until he wasn't. It's obviously tough this time of year to come back in and uh, – you don't have many practices. You don't have many uh, opportunities to skate. So I think it's that's the toughest thing as all is just getting back into uh, game action. It was good, and it's 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 always tough when you've almost had two months off. So uh, that's uh, Tristan Jari kind of uh, giving uh, the the true account, I think, from his perspective on why he. Uh, Maybe wasn't as sharp as he'd like to be. The Penguins had one good day of practice on Wednesday before hosting Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday. And for the fifth straight game, guess what? The Penguins scored the first goal. Here's Jason Zucker in on the attack right wing into the near circle for Malkin. Knocked off the puck behind the net by Dreisettle. Turns it over, though, to Rust. In front, Latang on the forehand shoots. He scores! There's the start the Penguins were looking for, and offense from the D as Chris Letang beats Skinner. And a minute five in, it's one nothing Pens. Unfortunately, the Oilers followed that with a touchdown, scoring the next seven, beginning and ending with goals from the great Connor McDavid. Comes near side for Nugent Hopkins. Back to Barry. He's got goals in three straight and points in four straight. Passes left wing McDavid at the left circle. Carries back behind the net. Flips it on goal and scores. Wow. McDavid from the bottom of the near circle looked like he was going to cut behind the goal and at the last second scooped it over Jarian in. It's 1-1 on a power play goal by Connor McDavid. McDavid picks up the puck at center. Wide route down the right wing into the far circle on the forehand. Holding backhand to the forehand and slams it in. He is so shifty and so quick. And he deked Casey DeSmith all the way out before putting it back into the net. It's 7-1 Edmonton. Yep, and Casey DeSmith was in goal because Jari was pulled after the second period when it was 6-1. McDavid, a four-point night penalty trouble early, which was the worst possible scenario you could have imagined going into that game. All we did was talk about the Oilers' power play before the game, and the Penguins take two penalties, and they both end up in the back of their net. Yeah, clicking at over 31% coming in, Stag. And they actually got the kill to start the game. They had three Killed off one and probably got a little bit of a a little bit of a boost, thinking, "Hey, we we got them, we got them here." Well, it took them uh, 16 seconds on one power play to score and 23 to score on the other one uh, of the second two power plays in the first period. And afterwards, Sid and Chris Letang faced the music in the locker room. Feels like this is well beyond the time for theoretical wake up calls. Um, what does it take now from just a purely execution standpoint to get yourselves better? I mean, we pretty much covered it. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's been one thing. And, uh, you know, tonight it wasn't one thing. So uh, we got a few things we have to clean up. Is this a sort of signal to management about how much help you guys might need at the deadline? Or does it send a different message entirely? 
We're just trying to win games. Nobody's trying to send any messages or, you know, I mean, you can you can turn it into whatever you want to. It's, you know, it's a matter of playing better. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and talk about messages. Nobody's trying to send a message. We're trying to win games. Said, how unfamiliar a position is this for you? And is it by what do you mean? That you guys have been rolling for a long time. This feels like more than the ups and downs of a season. There's lots of season left, and we're fighting for a playoff spot. So you know, ideally, we'd be in a better position, but we still have a chance to make the playoffs. So I mean, it's it's not easy to make the playoffs. I think we all realize that. Um, but there's lots of hockey left, so uh, I'm not going to talk about. It's frustrating right now. Is we're, we're not playing the way we're supposed to play. Um, we get discouraged pretty quick, and you know it's something we we should have it in this dressing room. And you know it starts with with the main guy. You know, like me, Sid, and uh, and Gino. We have to step up our game and, and you know, find a way to win. It doesn't matter if it's we have to to grind it out and. We have to, to push each other to, to be better. Um, it's just not good enough right now. Tanger, does this team need a change, change of personnel? You've been around long enough to be able to answer that. I, I, I don't really care about that. I care about the guys that are in the room with me. And, uh, you know, if somebody is down, we have to pick him up. And, um, you know, we just have each other. So we have to push each other to be better. And, um, you know, um, I think it starts with, with me and the big boys. Well, Sid and uh, Crystal Tang talked like leaders, I thought, after that game, and I hope they can, uh, you know, find another level of intensity or desperation, whatever you want to call them, Mets, to uh, turn this thing around. I, I did think that they talked like players that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder here. They were asked hard questions, and I think they gave answers saying, you know, there was almost a little bit of a defiance mm-hmm. in, the, in the response, and I kind of like that because we do think – when we're watching this team stack, we look at the body language a lot and we look at how guys respond and, and, and all those little things. And I thought those two guys have not quit. They're not done by any means. They realize, you know what? I, I heard an interview with um, Scott Burnside here in the city uh, over on another station to, uh, the other day. And oh, yeah? he, he made the comment, the Penguins really, it looks bleak right this moment because they lost. And then coming from a national guy, it, it kind of hits home a little bit. They've lost these games in a row. They've not been great since their run where they went 14-2-2, well, he said they're one good week away from being right back in the playoffs. And that's how this season has been the whole time, with these teams jumping over one another. And I think they know that in the room. If they can get some victories and start stacking them now, they're right back in the wildcard conversation. Because if you think about it, the Islanders, yes, they're starting to win, but they lost last night. Florida can't seem to get over the hump, and I think they're the team that will let the Penguins off the hook here. Washington's starting to sell. So I don't know that Buffalo or Detroit can catch them. So it's kind of there for the Penguins to take if they can go. I mean, Spencer Knight's now in, a, in a, the league's program for uh, assistance. So their goaltending is going to fall in the lap of Bobrovsky, which isn't always great at this time of year. So a lot of things are starting to, to turn the worm a little bit to help the Penguins here. And I think the guys, their responses, their stag spoke to that. Well, I'm a little worried about the Detroit Red Wings, actually. I think that they're a team that might actually uh, they just, could. You know, pull don't, it off. Here don't discount them. Absolutely. And they play Tampa today. We'll get into this later, but I, I want to bring it up now while I'm thinking about it. They always beat Tampa. Steve Eiserman does it to them all the time, so don't be surprised if they win and then Tampa comes in here tomorrow yeah. and the Penguins play them. Well, during the third period, the fans started chanting, fire Hextall. Uh, we haven't heard one of those chants in a long time in a Penguins game. 
And uh, I don't know that it's happened under Sidney Crosby. I mean, there was maybe a time right before Mike Sullivan came with a coach that they had, but I don't recall a fire him chant. No. I remember them saying goodbye, Johnny, to Johnny Wilson in 1980. Yeah. The first game I ever went to as a Penguin employee. Uh, so I got an early baptism on what could happen in Penguins games when things aren't going well. And yesterday, after announcing that the Penguins had waived Kasperi Kapanen, Ron Hextall addressed it head-on at a press conference, which we will have for you next when we come back. Penguins Live Weekly continues on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by s Bank. As a Penguins radio partner for many years, I can tell you that ST Bank is a community bank that truly cares about people. Whether you're a brand new customer or your family has been with ST since its start in 1902, the team is ready to exceed your banking expectations. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com. Learn how ST Bank supports its neighbors at stbank.com today. Member. FDIC. As the official security provider of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security is invested in the success of the entire Western Pennsylvania area. If you run a business here, they understand your primary focus is serving your customers. And a big part of that is making sure that your customers, your employees, and your inventory are all safe and secure. Vector Security can help. Schedule a free business security health check today, and one of their local security experts will assess your needs. Visit them online at vectorsecurity.com slash pens to learn more. Studying abroad was not even on my radar. I always just assumed that that was not for me. So now here I am in Italy studying abroad. It really is one of the most amazing experiences, challenging experiences, something that you grow so much from that you can't really get anywhere else. Doing study abroad through Kent State, you're going to be in great hands. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my whole life. The Pittsburgh Penguins ticketing department would like to thank season ticket holders for their tremendous support. As members of the Black and Gold Premier, season ticket holders receive invitations to exclusive events and contests, flexible payment options, and discounts on food, beverage, and merchandise at PPG Paint Serena. Holy moly. To learn more about season ticket memberships, please visit www.pittsburghpenguins.com slash season tickets.
You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. The Penguins needed to clear cap space, so cap went. And uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, KAP space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so they want to get Jan Ruda back in the lineup, who I think would help right now. I mean, I really, I kind of, I think they kind of miss him. To be honest with you, they're not a very good defensive team, and he's a pretty good defensive defenseman. Good in front of the net. Yep, and uh, so they had to do that in order to get some money. Uh, and you want to give the details very quickly of how that works, Mets? Yeah, according to uh, Puckpedia, which is kind of like a cap friendly type site, the two of them do a really good job with this. Kapanen has one year remaining at $3.2 million, uh, for his cap hit this year. And if he clears waivers and is sent down, the Pens are going to save only uh, – it's money that they could use because I told you they have 18000 and change in terms of cap space. They would get a $1.125 million relief uh, in terms of cap space. But to activate Ruda from long-term IR, they need to clear one44 So they'd need to make an additional move and – you know, you and I were talking before we went on the air uh, for this segment. Most likely, I would think that would entail sending down Mark Friedman uh, to get that little bit of money you need. But that's where they stand. So even doing this, they just buy one point one two five. Not enough to activate, but you get a little bit of space if you want to make another move potentially. And I think that they'll figure it out. Um, in the meantime, uh, there have to be some things that Ron Hextall is talking about right now in terms of making a deal. He he never would tip his hand beforehand, and, and you know, and it may not come to fruition, but. Uh, my guess is that he will make some kind of a deal at the deadline, well, and he's done a good you know, job that? each of the last two years doing that. But both of those years, that's what I was going to say. You know, everybody talks about, you don't know, what are they doing? Jeff Carter came out of the weeds. Um, Raquel came out of the weeds. Absolutely. Both of those trades, they were rumored on other players. Like, the the, the players that have been tied to the Penguins on the last two deadlines have not pa- come to pass. The ones that you weren't expecting happened. Like, two trades came out of nowhere. So, we'll see. Yeah, and Raquel turned out to be a pretty darn good acquisition. Really good acquisition. Here's what Ron Hextall said yesterday. Good afternoon, Ron. Um, Casper Captain, you make the move there with him. Was there a point of no return, the last straw there making that move? And hindsight was 2020, but what prompted you to want to re-sign a player who had a disappointing season by any measure yeah. to a similar captain? Fair question. Um, it was two years ago, Cap had 30 points in 40 games and looking like he was a pretty good player. And- feeling was that last year was a bit of a down year and that, that he would bounce back and uh, he's still almost a half a point a game guy and I think he can be a productive player. Unfortunately, it, it hasn't worked here. So tough decisions after you made along the way and that's what that's what this was with uh, with Kathy. Danny? Ron, given some of the struggles uh, to some of the players that you've signed to contracts over the past couple of seasons, and just the inconsistencies in general across the team. Has that made you and your front office reconsider uh, your player evaluation at all? Uh, no, I think we've I think we've made some good moves. I think uh, you look at every team, and there's probably some moves that you always look back. Things are 2020, and in hindsight, obviously, as was just mentioned, um, I think sometimes uh, players have more value to a team than maybe. Um, the fans or people realize whether it's you know faceoffs or a penalty kill or whatever it might be. Um, so I think there's different circumstances when you're building a team. You're looking at how many PP guys do we have, how many PK guys do we have, do we have a left shot center, do we have a right shot center for faceoff? There's a lot of things that go into it. Just um, outside of just looking on the periphery and kind of saying this guy's not productive or this guy's not playing well enough. Um, 
but everything doesn't end the way you, you hope it'll end too. As a manager, you try to make more good decisions than, than bad decisions. So it doesn't mean every decision I or anybody else makes are, are perfect, because they're not. But you just try to make the decisions, all the information that you have, and, and uh, assume the hope they're going to work out. What? Ron, um, when you spoke with us a few weeks ago, you said that more or less you hoped nothing would happen that would make this team sellers by the deadline. As we stand a week out, is that still true that you would likely not consider selling by the deadline? Our, our intent is to continue to try to make this team better. Uh, this year and, and years beyond this year, we want to stay competitive. We made that commitment last summer with our core. Um, those guys have played well. Um, I guess the, the hardest part about our team right now is probably the volatility. It's, uh, it's a tough one, quite frankly, to, to put a finger on. I think we, we had that streak, I think, with 20 games where we were really good. And we've had some six, seven game streaks where we haven't been very good. So kind of like, you know, in some, some nights you ask yourself, what team are we? But I know this, we've showed that we're capable of being a very good team and we're gonna continue to try and make our team better. Uh, as I said, this year and years, years ahead. Yeah. Uh, Ron, how are you finding the prices uh, on the market? And do you think, as constructed, your team can make the playoffs? Uh, I think we can make the playoffs, yes. Um, the prices are high. They always are at this time of year. Sometimes they fall and sometimes they don't. So we'll continue to monitor the prices and the fits and everything as we go along here. And as I said, we'll try and, try and make our team better. Jeff on the left. Ron, there were chants last night during the game um, to have you fired. What's your reaction to that, and how does that impact you uh, as the GM? It, it doesn't impact me at all. I understand the fans' frustration. We have high expectations as well, and we haven't met them. So I totally get it. Uh, when you're a GM, you know what you're signing up for. We work in the public eye, and uh, they pay good money to come in the rink, and they certainly have the right to, to chant and say whatever whatever they choose. So it's not going to um, affect anything I do or, or don't do. I've been, since I was 22 and became in the league, yeah. criticism is part of the business and um, you just get, you have to handle it, you have to deal with it. Ron, uh, two if I may, on Kapanen, was this move necessary in order to get Rita back on the roster because of LTIR? And also, do you need to do something else to clear cap space to improve this team? We would, uh, we're going to do everything we can to improve the team. Um, but I'm also not looking, we're not looking to, to spend big assets on uh, rentals. So if we're going to spend a big asset, it's going to help us this year and, and years to come. That, that decision has been made. Uh, if we can do something that makes sense for a few years here, makes our team better, we'll certainly do it and look hard and evaluate it and see if it's the right decision for our team at this time. Um, as far as Cappy, yes, that was part of the thought process. We had to make a hard decision to get Roots um, back on, and that was that was the one we made. It wasn't easy. I mean, Cappy's still a good player. I mean, he's, uh, you know, can he, is he a perfect player? No, but there's not many perfect players. So Cappy brings an element with his speed and his skill, and uh, as I said earlier, it just hasn't worked here. So we'll see We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Ron, does, does the cabinet move allow you enough space to be able to bring up anyone from the minors? And is there anyone down there that's intrigued you with their play as, as of there? 
you know, we're still we're still jammed up there. I mean, we could we could we know she can go down. We could send Oshie down, bring somebody up. But Oshie's played pretty well for us. We've certainly had discussions about players down there. I think Pustin and Nylander have played extremely well. Um, Holander has played well. You know, Gruden I think is out right now, but he's played pretty well. So we have options down there to bring up, and certainly we've discussed them along the way, and we'll continue to keep an eye on. Them. Last one, Seth. Uh, Ron, you're the most prominent addition to the Penguins since you've been the GMs. Are you leaving Jeff Carter, uh, gave some energy in that, after the trade deadline, had a productive year last year. The base offensive numbers maybe aren't there right now. Just what's your assessment of what Jeff's offering your team at the moment? Well, I think I think if you look at our, our bottom six, I think a lot of people have alluded to it. Uh, for some reason, it hasn't quite fit. The pieces haven't fit. You know, part of the Cappy thing, we're not blaming Cappy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the pieces just haven't fit. We're trying to find pieces that fit. So question earlier whether it's a Neeland or a Pustin at some point that comes up and give it another look. Um, we just try to give the give the coaches the options that we can give them, but we're in a tight cap situation, which we're trying to, trying to rectify a little bit here. But um, when you're up against it, there's... Uh, only so many things you can do, but you know, players get hurt. One guy goes in out the IR, and everything changes. So, uh, unfortunately, it's hard to plan for it. You certainly don't want it to happen, but it does happen, and you just need to have the pieces down below to to uh, come up and, and fill in. But like I said, maybe one of those guys at some point is a piece that helps at uh, the bottom six. I think Jeff has done has done some good things. I think at times he's played well, and I think I said this last time. I think there's times where he can play better than he's played. But he's a, a big face-off guy for us. He's a penalty killer for us, and he, he fills the role. Thanks. You just want him to score every now and then. And Ted Bluger <laughs> and Brock McGinn, who can't score to save their lives. It's really weird. And, uh, you know, I think uh, if you look at the third line as it existed with Kapanen on the right wing, first of all, he's not a third-line kind of guy, in my opinion. Uh, and also... Uh, they were less than the sum of their parts, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, like, for instance, I thought early in the year that fourth line with Paling and Bluger and uh, uh, Archibald were actually greater than the sum of their parts. And that's what you're looking for, a chemistry that makes the whole line kind of better because of the way the guys fit together. And I didn't see that at all with the third line all year. No, you know what? When you, when you look at versions of any good team, they always have a good third line. And the Penguins right now just haven't had that. And I think that's the biggest issue. Um, well, there's a couple issues, but one of the biggest issues is that third line stag. They can't get any secondary scoring from it. They're not getting big minutes from it that, that are hard minutes for the opponent. I mean, when you when you look back over the years, and you had the Jordan Stahl line whenever mm. they were doing Best their third work. third line in hockey. Yeah, with, you know, with TK and Matt Cook. And then you had HBK. Uh, so the best versions of the Sid and Gino teams going back over the course of their time here always had a good third line. And there were other ones, too, that, that used to contribute. And this version, to your point, just unfortunately hasn't worked. So maybe it is as simple as finding a way to get a, um, you know, getting Nylander up here. You heard him specifically mention him. He's essentially a point-per-game guy in the AHL. He is NHL experience. Houston and never really has gotten a chance here either. And when you bring in that youth and that that energy and guys with a little bit of offensive upside who still can play a, a, a blue-collar style, maybe that's what they need. And you can find a, a little mix that would also help Jeff Carter if he's still going to be the third-line center. Yeah, we'll find out if uh, what these guys at Wilkes-Barre can do to help the team, uh, assuming the Penguins find room for them cap-wise. That's another issue. I mean, you couldn't bring guys up even 
to, to get a look at them. And it's just really bad. You know, Matt, there isn't any doubt in my mind. The GMs need to go into a season giving themselves flexibility. Yep. The, the, the days of, of committing all your money before the season even starts, to me, should be over. I yep. mean, it's, yep. it's so obvious what's going on around the league. It's so competitive. The balance is there. It's one move here or there that can make all the difference for your team. You've got to give yourself a chance to be able to make those moves. You can't, you can't saddle yourself with so much salary that you, you're stuck. You have no flexibility. No, and that's, I think, what the biggest issue for them now is, is that you, it's kind of like what I said at the beginning of the show, where you you build a roster, and when it's perfectly, perfectly intact, you're happy with it and you feel good about it. But if you have an injury or you have, and you can't use utilize long-term IR because they've got to be out X amount of time to do that. So you don't get the cap relief. So you're stuck not having a player, which is what Jim Rutherford ran into in his, excuse me, his first year in Pittsburgh stag, where... Chris Letang got concussed mm-hmm. late in the season. I believe it was Shane Doan hit him at the time. And he was out. And they had he couldn't utilize long-term IR. There wasn't enough season left. So the Penguins had to play out the stretch with five defensemen because they had no cap flexibility. That's kind of the boat that they've gotten them on, gotten themselves on now. And it's hard. When you do that, you're in a really bad spot and you've got to make tough decisions like waving a guy like they just did. Or you know, trading somebody for a future just to clear a spot who you didn't want to trade. And and that's not a good way to operate. And I think that there's probably, I mean, you would like to think that the management group would have not set themselves up for this and people will point a finger and say, well, that's because you wasted money on, on your big guys. Well, you really didn't. Those guys are productive for their rate. I mean, they're doing so well for their cap hit. The problem really is you signed a bad contract with Jeff Carter. You signed a bad contract with Kasperi Kapanen. You may be brought in Jan Ruda as a luxury and you didn't necessarily need him, which I'm, I think he's a good player to have, but that was another move. And then the Petrie thing. And Petrie's not lived up to the hype this year so far. So a couple of those moves mm-hmm. have really bitten him in the backside over the past two off-seasons. The trade, you know what I mean? You'd sign those contracts that have hurt you, and that's why you're in this spot. Not Sid and Gino, and and maybe maybe you can make a case that the Brian Rust contracts hurt them a little bit too, because he's not had a Brian Rust like year. But they and Brock totally, McGinn is making over well, yeah. two million, and he's not scoring. I mean, that goes and back I, a and couple I like Brock McGinn. Yep. I yep. really liked him as a player when he was in Carolina. I was excited when the Penguins got him, and I thought he played well uh, last year. Until the end, he kind of struggled, and then this year he was awful at the beginning. And then he, he said, "I looked in the mirror. I realized." I had to start playing better. He started playing better, but now he should be walking around with a mirror. Yeah. Okay, because he's not doing anything. No. It's it's disheartening because we know he has it in him to be a better player than he is, that he's shown. And I know he blocks shots and he kills penalties, yeah. but, you know, we need him to score a goal now and then. But you know, you know what? The team's PK hasn't been outstanding over the, the little stretch here. I mean, before the last two games... Uh, the numbers I pulled, Stag, have them at 77% essentially since that 14-2-2 two two stretch. So that's not very good on your PK when you look at the league leaders being up well over 80% and in the in almost teetering on the edge 83-84, and you're at 77. And I know we uh, we talked about the 2020 vision, uh, you know, in hindsight, and, and I, but I will say this about Kasperi Kapanen. He was awful last year. He couldn't get it going. The fact of the matter is they had to go get Raquel because Kapanen wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Yep. And then they still brought him back. And if you think about it, he didn't have a real place to play at that point because you had your top two right wingers in Rust and Raquel. So now you're relegating Kapanen to a third line right wing position, which I don't think he's suited for. So other than that, it was a great move. <laughs> I, I just feel like they thought Jeff Carter and he would be better together than they were, and it blew up on them. Yeah. And and really, um, 
I, I just it, it's still head scratching that they gave him a two year deal on top of it. That that was just really the killer. And what I don't know, and what and none of us knows, and we'll never know, is what was the process by which they came to the conclusion to keep Capitan? Was it a group decision? That's what I always wonder. You know, is it feedback from the coaching staff? Is it the guys who you know the, who, the because I can remember. Back when when Craig Patrick was the general manager, he always had like a consensus. He would bring guys in a room and they would talk about stuff. I'm guessing that the the Penguins still do that stuff. So I don't think it's fair necessarily to point the finger at Ron Hextall and said you made this decision unilaterally in yeah. some room, you know, where he's closed off and sequestered, and he comes walking out and says, "I, guess, I just signed Casperi Gavin." I guess you know? when you have the job title, you you have to deal with the repercussion. Yes. I mean, that's the thing because scouts make a lot of decisions too, even in terms of drafting. But you have the final say, and I'll just say that it sounds like maybe they thought he was a different player off the ice as well, and they thought that would make a difference, and maybe that's not the case. Who knows? I hope they can turn it all around, and I believe that these uh, guys really do care for each other, and they want to play the game the right way, and, and Mike Sullivan will do everything he can do, and he's very good at it, at getting this thing turned around. When we come back, we'll talk about other games that were played last night, how that affects things, and also look ahead because the Penguins have a pretty rough schedule coming up. We'll do that in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network presented by ST Bank. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 at PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. Hey, Penguins fans, put some flavor in your season with Snapple. Here at Snapple, we are serious about flavor. Snapple's got tasty tea and real fruit flavors all mixed to perfection. So try some of our favorite flavors, including peach tea, diet peach tea, or Snapple apple tea at your local retailer. Snapple is the official tea and juice sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Put some flavor in your break. Make time for Snapple. You know Mario Lemieux, the player, as a winner of two Stanley Cups and six scoring titles, and Mario Lemieux, the owner, as a winner of three more Stanley Cups. Mario is also a cancer survivor who established the Lemieux Foundation in 1993 to raise funds to fight cancer. To date, the Lemieux Foundation has given over $32 million to cancer research and patient care and established 38 Austin's Playrooms for children and families in medical facilities in western Pennsylvania and across the country. Visit MarioLemieux.org to learn more and join Mario in our fight against cancer. We are more correct. Rages together. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 and PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com.
You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. And Alex Edler to guide it to the corner. I follow. Jars it free out of the corner. I follow to Velarde. Score! A blast from Gabe Velarde. And it's 3-0 L.A. The Islanders almost pulled off another comeback win last night after the Kings took that 3-0 lead. The Islanders scored one in the second and one in the third, but came up short 3-2. Islanders had only 18 shots on goal versus the Kings. I Things are pretty good. Meanwhile, the oldest active player in the NHL, 41-year-old Craig Anderson, made 53 saves for the Sabres in a 3-1 win at Florida. It was a milestone night for Jeff Skinner. Face off to his left. Sorry, Bobrovsky's left. Pardon me. As the Sabres win the draw at the line, Skinner, nice move on Forsling. Skinner continues to drive down towards the net, but Forsling stays with him. Thompson to Skinner. Skinner, tough angle shot, scores! What a goal by Jeff Skinner! Wow, his second of the night. 600 points for Jeff Skinner. Sabres have won four of five. The Panthers have alternated wins and losses in their last eight. Take a look at the standings, Mets, and see where the Penguins are today after those games last night. Well, uh, there's a two-team gap now between the Penguins and the wild card stag. I know there's only a couple points, but that's never something you want to see at this stage of the, the schedule. So the Penguins have 63 points. 57 games played, they're 27, 21, and 9, but ahead of them lie the Florida Panthers, 61 games played, 64 points. The Detroit Red Wings also ahead of them now and ahead of the Panthers by virtue of tiebreakers, 64 points in just 57 games, which matches the Penguins. And then your two wild card teams at the moment are the Islanders in the top spot, 62 games played, 67 points. The Sabres at 57 games played and 64 points. So the Pens just one point out of that wild card conversation but it's it's never a good look when you start to have two and three teams you got to get over it's okay when it's one i know that's but, right but you got to now contend with a number of teams mm-hmm. who are neck and neck with you yep and this afternoon at 3 30 the penguins will try to jump back ahead of the sabers while detroit hosts tampa bay the capitals host the rangers the blues have become sellers and the other night after a 3-2 loss to his old buddy rick tockett craig baruby lost his mind for sure a lot of guys, not uh, <clears throat> a lot of our best players not doing the job. Why do you think that's the case? I don't know. You have to ask them, Jim. I guess they don't care about the team. I don't know. Well, not you, sure why. You, you, you've talked a lot about uh, effort and compete level. I'm guessing you, you didn't see that in nearly enough guys tonight, right? No. Handful of guys, that's it. Goalie for sure. That's Craig Berube. And then, meanwhile, Blues general manager Doug Armstrong had to clean up the mess the next day, did a little damage control, and even some of the players had said uh, they weren't too happy with what Craig Berube said about It's a couple of minutes. I won't be in here very long. Just want to uh, address, obviously, the comments that were made last night by uh, one of our players and our coach, and uh, I think they're going to gain traction unless we uh, address them head on. I think the raw emotion after a game like that was was evident uh, from everyone involved. From a manage, managerial perspective, it's uh, it's it's understandable. Uh, we've we've made some uh, radical changes to this group over the last couple of weeks. Uh, emotions are raw right now, and 
really what, what we need to do is, is come to grips with where we're at as an organization, come to grips with what we have in our, on our team right now and start to build. I, I've talked to the players uh, and talked about our last decade, and it was a, a good decade, uh, some ups and downs, uh, but that decade is now behind us. And today is the first day of the next decade. And I was honest with them that likely maybe one or two of the 40 people that were in the room or 35 people won't be anywhere near us when, when that decade ends. Uh, but it has to start today. And um, to, to do it, uh, the reality is it's if you break it down into management, coaches, and players, we're all at 33.3% responsible. So I have my job to do, the coaches have their job to do, and the players have their job to do. And doing it not in unison collectively, we'll, we'll, we'll never get there. We- good stuff, huh, from Doug Arps. He's um, a good GM. Yeah, he's very good there, Stag. And um, I think that Chief was talking to Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, who are the two young guns that they want to hand the leadership mantle over to on this team. Cairo, 54 points in 55 games, 48 and 55 for Thomas. But neither of them have points in their last three. Thomas has none in his last four. And Thomas said, I've been part of this team for a long time. And what he said couldn't have been further from the truth. So Craig Berube is kind of kind of like that player's coach kind of guy where he still kind of feels like he's a player. And so when they were winning, it was like, okay, I'm one of the boys almost. I, that's how I would see it. He could, he could press the buttons and they all kind of held each other accountable kind of thing. But when things go south and you say that, now it's a little different. Now it's like, hey, you know. I thought you were one of us. Yeah, the people don't take kindly to being criticized when they're down, and they're probably upset that they're watching their team get broken up a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. But you also need to embrace it and say, we're the leaders now. Yep, and we'll see how the Penguins and the Blues match up today because both teams have reasons to be extra motivated here this afternoon. It's a national TV broadcast. We'll have it for you later in the day. Thanks for listening, everybody, on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by s Bank. Life-changing is a nursing career where you have the power to take the lead and opportunities to make real change, where you work alongside colleagues that care and see inspiration every day, where you're celebrated for who you are and have the support you need for what matters most to you. Life-changing is being a nurse at UPMC. Explore your career options today at upmc.com nursing. Hey students, did you know you can score great savings on Pittsburgh Penguins tickets through GetGo Student Rush? Take a break from studying and text RUSH to 412-534-6266 to score last-minute ticket deals sent directly to your phone. You must be a college student with a .edu email address to participate. Again, text RUSH to 412-534-6266 or visit pittsburghpenguins.com slash studentrush to learn more about the GetGo Student Rush program today. Jim Shorty gives Pittsburgh's hockey fans a Mitsubishi hat trick. Price, selection, and warranty. Grab the most affordable all-wheel drives on the market like Outlander, Outlander Sport, and the Eclipse Cross. Or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values that are higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Come find the Mitsu that fits you at ShortyMitsubishi.com. Let's go, Penn. Make plans now to be a part of the excitement of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey with a U-Pick 6-pack. 
Mix and match six games of your choice, including the must-see matchups, promotional nights, weekend matinees, and more, while saving off the gate price of tickets. To learn more, visit www.pittsburghpenguins.com slash miniplan or call the Penguins Ticketing Department at 412-642-PENS.